Amen. What a mighty God we serve. A good redeemer. One that is able to redeem us, not by money, not by writing a check, but redeemed us by his own blood. That's what it cost for your sin and your shame is bloodshed. And there was one that was willing to do that. And that's the one we came to worship this morning. Anybody come to worship Jesus this morning? Amen. Well, this is a good morning to be here with you guys. I'm honored, always excited to be before you. Uh, we got a lot of work to do, so I, I'd rather just jump right in. So if you guys can indulge me, grab your Bibles or your devices and meet me in Acts chapter 2. Uh, I'm a little eager to preach the Word of God today. Acts chapter 2. Uh, coming off the heels of a great competition yesterday, Battle Royale. Had a good time. Uh, the, the ladies did try it, but the, the fellas just had to come through with that W. Uh, but no, it, it, was, it was a good time, good fellowship, good food, good time of being able even to talk to some people that just hanging out in the park and uh, seeing the kids run around, even seeing our, you know, our Epiphany kids running around. And uh, it was just a good, good day. Uh, let me just quickly say thank you to all of our uh, volunteers that served yesterday, that even helped, even the pre-serve that helped to bring it to pass. Uh, Ty and all of her team, uh, it was a host of ladies that, uh, that brought it together. Amen. And even some of the fellas, Lionel's not here uh, yet, but Lionel and a bunch of the guys, that must be Janelle, Lionel and a bunch of the guys, uh, you know, came through yesterday. And so I'm just excited and thankful for uh, volunteers that really, they help us to create atmospheres of, of uh, community. And I'm grateful for that. All right, let's, uh, let's see if we can get to the word of God. Uh, before we do, I promised you guys last week that uh, I had an important somewhat exciting announcement, and I want you guys to come back so that we could uh, work through it together today. Uh, let, let, me, let me do it this way. Let me kind of go back to the journey of our church here as a church plant. We began our journey in 2015. We were commissioned from our church in Philadelphia under the leadership of Dr. Eric Mason, Epiphany Fellowship in Philly, in the north section of Philly. Uh, they commissioned us in May of 2015, and uh, we immediately got to work. As soon as they commissioned us out, there was a small group of us. We immediately said, well, what are we going to do first? We thought it best not to start right with Bible study. And so we started with doing what we call vision nights. So we did two vision nights in the summer of 2015. Uh, June 26 was our first one right at, I don't know if you all remember, the, the, uh, the Diamond Club or whatever it was called, a little, little spot we were in. And we just crammed and packed and jammed people in, and we had some good food and chicken and rice and all this stuff, and fed well, and we did poetry and music. And then I spent about 45 minutes, I'm lying, it was probably about an hour, uh, just casting vision. And then we did it again in July, and the hope was to uh, start and spark some conversation around what would it look like to meet weekly to do Bible studies in order to form into a full church. And... Uh, September 6th of 2015, we did our first Bible study in that same spot. We did it on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, and Bible study was just a chance for, for the Lord to knit our hearts together as a community. None of us knew each other. A few of us did, but most of us in the room did not know each other, and so we thought that the best way to build some type of relationship was on the foundation of the Word of God, and so we started with Bible study, and we ran them every single week. And by God's grace, the Lord began to grow the church as we were doing Bible studies. 
Uh, we did them all the way through the fall of 2015. We did them all the way through the winter of uh, 2015 into 2016, and then we launched the ter- church in March of 2016. And, and since then, I mean, we have just, it's almost been Nehemiah 2. The Bible says the good hand of the Lord has been upon us. Uh, he has just been so gracious to allow us to connect with people. We've seen conversions happen because of this church plant. We've seen uh, people get baptized that have confessed faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we've got to see some of you as singles, start out as singles, work through uh, uh, engagement and then get married. Uh, we've got to experience the birth of many, what we would call epiphany babies. And I, I've even had the privilege of, um, of christening or dedicating those babies back to the Lord. Um, and it's just been, we've cried with many, we've, we've prayed with many, and it's just been a good season of watching the church grow. Uh, well, in October of last year, which was 2017, uh, that in order to accommodate the amount of people that was coming, I'm missing some stuff here, but that's because of time. But in order to accommodate all of the people that were coming, we needed to move from one service to two services. That time we were doing service at 11 o'clock, but we knew we needed to uh, try to keep up with what the Lord was doing. So we added an extra service, which is this service, 10 o'clock, and then we did an 1145 service. Uh, we're kind of back at that sp- that space now where uh, our first service is about 75% full, our second service is at capacity, uh, and it's because of the small nature of this room. We cannot knock down any walls, we cannot build out, we cannot build up, it, it is what it is. And so in order to keep up with the growth of the church, we are in desperate need of adding a third service. So what does that mean for you? Uh, the service times will be, if you could write these down, our hospitality is coming around with little slips of paper. Our service time starting September 9th, okay, September 9th, not next week. September 9th, our service times will be 9.30, 11.30, and 1.30. Let me say that again, 9.30, 11.30, and 1.30. I'm a little worried about that 9.30 because y'all be trickling in at 10. <laughs> So I'm a little worried, but, you know, by God's grace, y'all going to get up a little earlier and try to make it. Uh, let me also say this. It's important for you to know that as uh, those of you that are parents that drop your kids off to the children's ministry, we are doing, um, just hold those papers for a second. Uh, we are doing child ministry, child care uh, services at 930 and 1130, but it will not be provided at the 130. Okay, so you need to make a note of that as you're considering which one you're coming to. 9.30, you can bring your children. Uh, 11.30, you can bring your children. I mean, you could bring them at 1.30. They just got to sit with you because we don't have children's ministry uh, prepared for that service. So what you have in your hand is a slip of paper that has those three service times. If you would do me a huge favor, in order for us to gauge how we will start out with those services, if you could circle your preferred service, just one service, not two, not just circle, one service that you are interested at coming to. And then when hospitality comes back around, actually, they're not going to come back around on your way out. If you could just drop it in the basket at the door, uh, it'll be a way for us to kind of count up and try, try to figure out which one you guys are coming to. Let me quickly say this. The goal is not to stay at three services. It's just not. I mean, we'll burn our volunteers out. We'll all be tired trying to keep up with, uh, with numeric growth. The goal is not three services. The goal is another space. I need the volunteers to say amen. A space that's big enough that we can go to one service, we all can worship, and we got more room, and we got classrooms and kitchens, and 
I mean, just the things that we need in order to really not just floss, but to serve the community. And so we, we need a bigger facility. We, we really do. We needed it last year, but this is what we have, and so we're grateful for it. Uh, we're not going to fantasize over something greater if this is what the Lord has for us now. And so we'll be faithful over what the Lord has. But in order to keep up w- with the growth, we do need to add that, uh, that third service. Um, let me also say this. It, it, so the goal is, is not three services, but we do have some things that we want to do, some campaigns that are preparing us uh, to engage people, but also preparing us to move out of this space. It does take a lot of work in order to move out of it. You can't just, I mean, we're not balling out of control, so we can't just write checks and go like this to landlords and realtors. We just can't do that. Uh, and so we got to be faithful. And so uh, one of the campaigns, I, I'm not at liberty to talk too much about it, but there's something that we're, I'm going to be presenting to you guys in the fall that will put us one step closer to securing a larger facility. Uh, but I can't talk about it now. Just be in prayer and, and really seeking the Lord that uh, he gives us wisdom, uh, instructions, discernment, and open doors. Amen. That's what we need. We need open doors. We need somebody to say, I got a building. Y'all can have it. Don't act like that can't happen. But that's what we need. And so I, I'm, I'm eagerly praying. I'm, I'm anticipating what the Lord is going to do. But nevertheless, I'm excited about church growth. I really am. It's, it's a sign that the Lord hand is on you. Not the only affirmation, because churches can grow and be very, very unhealthy. Tumors grow. So churches can grow and be very unhealthy. Uh, But I'm excited to see what the Lord is doing. At the same time, let me tell you, there's some desperate needs, and we're going to talk about them today. Uh, There's some desperate needs that uh, that I want to present to you in order for us to keep up with what the Lord is doing so that we're all not burnt out. In fact, let's get into the Word of God, because I think that'll help us a little bit more when it comes to church growth. Acts chapter 2 Hope you guys are excited. I am. All right. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and just and distributing the proceeds to all that had any need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. Please underline this word, this phrase. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. I want to preach this morning from the topic right out of verse 47. uh, The Lord added to their numbers. Let us pray. Father, we come before you in desperate need of you. Um, We do not approach your sacred word thinking we can just understand it. We need you to move upon our hearts. We need you to move upon our minds. Help us to bring our mind today to church. Move upon our hearts, our emotions, our affections, those things that the distractions that we have in front of us, remove them out of the way now so that we could hear from you and hear from you quickly. Lord, I do pray that you would feed us through your word. If you don't feed us, we will uh, be malnutrition. We'll, we'll starve. Uh, we just won't make it without your word. And so, Father, would you feed us from the nutrients that's found in your word? May Jesus Christ be heard and seen throughout this text. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Let everybody say amen. amen. The Lord added to their number. Um, 
Comedian Robin Harris, which is best known for his HBO stand-up, also he's known for playing the father in House Party. I remember him, follow the drip, follow the drip. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite scenes in House Party. Uh, he influenced an animated film in 1993 that came out called Baby's Kids. Now, it originally wasn't supposed to be an animated film. It was supposed to be a regular movie, but he died during the pre-production uh, process. And when he died, those that were making the film said, let's just keep moving along with the film and make it an animated film. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but the entire movie is surrounded around this theme where it's these bad kids. And their one purpose in life is to annoy Harris and to make him look like a fool. And they would often say things like, we babies kids. Or they would say their most famous line, I know you know the line, we don't die, we multiply. We multiply. <laughs> well, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about multiplication. Because in our text today, in our text, in all seriousness, in our text, we have just seen, we haven't read it, we're reading, uh, we, we haven't read the preceding verses, but we've just seen the church multiply in a rapid way. In fact, consider this with me. They started out at the beginning of chapter 2 with 120 people in the upper room. Overnight, the Lord added to the church to where they grew by 3,000 overnight. So this is what you call multiplication. But I, I do not want to focus our time in on the multiplication. I want to focus our time in on what they did as a result of adding 3,000 souls to the church. How did they function how did they survive? Like, if 3,000 people came in and said, I want to join Epiphany today, we would be in trouble. I would be like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to have discipleship? What are we going to do? Like, 3,000 non-believers that had no idea what church was. Can you imagine that? But that is exactly what's happening in the book of Acts. And so what we see in verse 42 to 47 is what they did as a result of the church continuing to grow. Now, verse 42 is interesting, and we'll spend most of our time there. Verse 42, uh, the writer of Acts, which is Luke, is going to list out for us four activities that they devoted themselves to. And then verse 43 to 47, he's going to describe and give us a description of how these four activities worked within the early church. Is that all right? That's what we'll, that's what we'll spend our time this morning. And then I'll let you guys go. Let's consider the passage before us. Verse 42, they did four things. Let's look at the first one. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The first activity that the early church devoted themselves to was not the opinion of Peter. It was not the opinion of any other apostle. It was not the opinion of Luke. The first devotion was the devotion to being taught the word of God. I Love that, because what that shows us is that the church started out with a faithfulness to the scriptures. It's important for you to understand, how did 3,000 people get added to the church? They did not walk around and say, I think it's a good idea that you come to our 120 gathering in the upper room. They did not do that. You know how the Lord added? Because Peter spent time in Acts chapter 2, in the beginning part, preaching. Read the rest of Acts chapter 2. He spent the first, he preached from three different passages in the Old Testament. He opens up Joel 2 to them. He opens up Psalm 16 to them. He opens up Psalms 110 to them. And out of all three passages, he pointed them toward Jesus. 
And the preaching was so powerful that verse 37 of Acts chapter 2 says that when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart. So the church started on faithful teaching from the apostles, but they did not move once they became believers. They did not stray to find other means of church growth. They stayed and were sustained with the apostles' teaching. And this is important for us. This is why when you come in here on a Sunday morning, you shouldn't hear me teaching anything else but what, not my teaching, but what the apostles taught. Every Sunday you come in here, you should have an expectation that I have spent time or anybody that gets up before you has spent time in the word of God so that when we come before you, we are presenting you to be devoted to the word of God, not my opinion. Be devoted to the word of God, not self-help teaching. Be devoted to the word of God, not inspirational motivation. You don't need your emotions and your, your heart sparked in a way that you're excited and you walk out and the cares of life pluck it out. What you need is the word of God. And they devoted themselves to a spiritual discipline. We always, when we think spiritual discipline, we think fasting, which is a spiritual discipline. When we think spiritual discipline, we think praying, which is a spiritual discipline. But do you know that a spiritual discipline is you coming to hear the word of God? The Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that devotion helps you with your spiritual growth. I do not know how one that has trusted in Jesus can continue to grow to look more like Jesus Christ if they're not devoted to the word of God. Let me, let me say that differently, to being taught the word of God. Because you can sit and you can have this personal devotion, but the Bible says that they, look at the text, I'm not making this up, they, that's corporate, devoted themselves to the, they corporately came together so that they could be taught the word of God. Steph Curry is one of my favorite uh, basketball players. He, he just is. Uh, I, I like his integrity. He's a family man. He's a good husband, a good father, and he's amazing on the court. But I like him for a different reason than most people. Most people like him on the court because of his crazy half-court shots. And, and I've seen YouTube videos of him on his way out of the arena shooting up a shot like he was standing two feet away and makes it at the tunnel on his way out. And most people are like, yo, that's crazy. But that's not what excites me about Steph Curry. What excites me about him is his free throws. He has a 90% average from the free throw line, which means 90% of his shots go in. That is the third all-time highest free throw percentage, period. In other words, he can get to the free throw line at the end of the game. The game is almost over. He's beat up. He's been elbowed, he's tired, and he puts that mouthpiece in halfway, and he stands at the free throw, and he makes 90% of his shots tired. Why? Because he spends hours at the free throw line in practice. The problem is we're making 50% of our free throws, and you're wondering why sin keeps creeping in your life. You've got to be devoted to the Word of God. The Bible says here that they devoted themselves to the teaching, the, the devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, not just mystical teaching, not just teaching that's for academic purposes, but teaching that transforms your life. You know the only teaching that transforms your life is the gospel of Christ. There is no other message that transforms you. And here's what I love about the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching, which is devoting ourselves to the word of God, you never outgrow that stage. Like, there's never a moment in the Christian walk where you can say, I can now go through life untaught because I learned everything. We're always learning. 
which is why, and nobody's above that. I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord, which is why there are many times where I realize that, yes, I get tired preaching week after week, but there are some times I just need to sit, even if I'm not tired, and just hear the word of God. I need somebody. That's why Timmy got up here last week. I needed not a break. I needed the word of God. I needed to devote myself to the apostles' teaching, not devote myself to preparation on a Sunday morning. I just need a little help this morning. I do, because what we do is we run through life, and we're so untaught, and we're not growing as Christians. The Bible says they devoted themselves. Here's how Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you're writing notes, please take this verse down, 1 Peter 2, 2. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up. In other words, there is no way to grow up outside of longing for the pure spiritual milk. Do you realize what he's really saying there? It's almost like an infant. An infant that, have you ever seen an infant that wants a bottle? Uh, we spent time earlier this week at Chris and Tashina's house, and we had dinner with them. And when Ava was hungry, everybody in the house knew Ava was hungry. It's just something, you know, babies have this thing where when they want the milk that helps them to grow, they, they yearn for it, they're crying for it, but yet we go through weeks without getting into the word of God, and Peter says, you got to long for it like an infant longs for milk. Yet we don't do that. We don't have a, a consistent diet of the apostles' teaching. And I know, I know that's hitting home for some of you. I know you come in here on a Sunday morning, you look spiritual, but in reality, you haven't been in the Word all week. But the Bible says that the early church, they devoted themselves. So here's the first devotion, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here's the second devotion found right in the text, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, th this is interesting because this is the very first time in the New Testament that this word is used. It is not used in Matthew. It is not used in Mark. It's not used in Luke. It's not used in John. But we get to Acts chapter 2, not the beginning of Acts, but Acts chapter 2 after the Holy Spirit fell, which almost means that the writer is saying, you can't experience real fellowship without the Holy Spirit. And so they get to after the Holy Spirit falls, 3,000 souls are added to the church. And the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, this fellowship here is a little different than how we normally use the word fellowship. This doesn't mean come over my house and eat cake and punch and cookies. This fellowship in the Greek is a word called koinia. The word koinia literally means joint participation. The root word of it means commonality. Every time this word fellowship or koinia is used in the New Testament, it is referred to as sharing joint participation. So they devote, in other words, they did not come to the community only seeking their needs. They came to the community seeking the needs of the community. Does that make sense? But the problem with us, not just in this room, but most millennials, and I love y'all, but most millennials approach church as what does the church have for me? We're Christian consumers and we're not koinia. We're not having joint participation but what the early church devoted themselves to, they knew that in order to be in community, it cost them something. It cost them time. It cost them energy. At times, it cost them money. We're going to see the generosity of the early church. It cost them something. Yet we're the only ones, and I know this to be true, because one of the main questions I get, a few of the main questions I get from people that are just 
starting to come to the church, not everybody, but a few people that come to the church, they're like, do you have prison ministry? What do you have for the singles? Do you have this for child care? How does the church do with homelessness? And in my mind, I'm like, what, we're, what you're really asking is, how does the church serve me? Instead of saying, can I do that? What can I do to help? We got to stop being consumers. As we talk about church growth here, as we talk about going to three services, what we need mo- most is koinia. We do not need consumers. Does that make sense? Now, I know everybody's not in a season of life where they can always help out and they can always serve in some capacity. But there has to be seasons of your life that you actually think about the church. Because I do not question if everybody in this room wants to see the community of lost people reach with the gospel. I guarantee if we went around this room, everybody would be like, yeah, of course I do. But the problem is we don't want to be the ones to participate in making sure that happens. But the Bible says that they devoted themselves not to a fellowship of let's just get together, but to koinia, joint participation, to where you add to the church and the church adds to you, and you add to the church, and the church adds to you. Let me tell you something. Doing two services on every Sunday is a lot. It just is. Those that host small groups in this room, every week you dragging people into your house, that's a lot. Our small group leaders always preparing small groups to make sure that community is being fostered and your cares and your needs are being met takes a lot of work. The worship team comes in here on Thursday nights and they rehearse and you don't really know it because we only see them on Sunday morning. That takes a lot. Keisha getting up here. That's the you know, we don't notice the sound team unless something goes wrong. We just don't. We don't notice that the, 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 the uh, audio, the visual team until they mess up with the words and we on chapter two or verse two and they still on verse one. That's when we notice them. But what we need is koinia. As we talk about going to three services, we need your help. I'm just making it very, very plain. Earlier this week, I told Gabe, I said, Gabe, do me a favor. I need you to run some numbers for me. I need you to figure out what the percentage of volunteers we have compared to how many people attend on a regular basis. So take that number. I found out that 33%, which isn't a bad number, but 33% of our church volunteers. My hope and prayer all week has been, Lord, get that to 50 can you imagine if half of our church sought koinia? Can you imagine that? And that's what we need in order. So the Bible says here that they devoted themselves, yes, to the apostles' teaching, but it went beyond just being taught the word. They said, man, this, this word is so good to me. I got to figure out how I can contribute to the church. I got to figure out koinia. And here's the crazy thing. The Holy Spirit entered koinia with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of of God, here's the same word, and the koinia of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Joint participation. And what we need most in this church, we need more volunteers. We need more worship leaders. We need more people that have giftings with graphic arts and people that can help out in our kids' ministry. We are teaching your children the gospel every single week. We need somebody to say, I got it, especially the fellas. We need more men in our kids. We got boys in there. We need more men. That I say, I need to join in, try to figure out how I'm going to, if Carlos never takes notes, he's taking them now. We need more volunteers. We need more hospitality volunteers, people that stand at the doors and greet people with a smile. There's just some stuff that we just need. What we, not, what we don't need is people to just fill seats. We need people to fill seats and serve. 
I'm not making this up. They devoted themselves to koinia. The first thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Second thing was to the fellowship. I'm still in verse 42. Third thing, our third devotion was to the breaking of bread. Now, when, when I first read this, I automatically assumed that meant communion, but it doesn't. If you keep it in context with overall how Luke writes, but if you keep it in context with verse 42 to 47, in verse 46, it says that day by day, they were entering to their houses and eating. So this, this is more practical than communion. He's saying that they devoted themselves to eating together. Now, any verse that makes you grow by simply sharing a meal, I'm in for that verse. Yes and amen, count me in for the community. And this is why a part of our small groups, we don't just pray. Yes, that's absolutely a component. We don't just get in the word. That's absolutely a component. But there's a section where we break bread together, where we eat. And I'm not talking communion. I'm saying real food. This is also why every time we try to do something here, we always provide food. It's something about sitting at the table and eating with somebody else. You know how much of a joy it is when I go out to some of the restaurants in the local areas. There's sometimes I go to Sumner. A few times I've seen some of you sitting down and having lunch with somebody else in the church, somebody that you typically don't have a relationship with, but you want to get to know them. The deepest thing you can do this week is break bread with somebody else that you don't know, somebody that don't look like you, don't think like you, don't vote like you, and outside of the gospel you have nothing in common with. Break bread with them. What we want to do is break bread with people that automatically think like us, but you got to go outside of your comfort zone. The Bible's can you, like 3,000 people get added to the church? I'm sure all of them didn't have anything in common except for Jesus, but they, they wrestled to make sure community was happening, and the Bible says that they broke bread together. Here's how I know that they didn't, it wasn't communion. Also, Acts chapter 27, verse 35 says this way, when Paul had said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence, he broke it, and they began to eat. Food, I'm telling you, it does something to the relationship. Getting in a relationship where someone might be of a different culture or a different ethnicity and you watch them cook in the kitchen. I mean, you, there's no other greater way to get to know somebody like watching them cook something that you have no clue of even what it is. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the koinia of the fellowship and they devoted themselves to breaking bread. This is an important factor in how we do things. Here, here's the fourth thing they devoted themselves to, and then I'll move on. And they devoted themselves, last one, to the prayers. I love this because the church was founded on a deep dependency of God. You know that's what prayer is. Prayer shows you that you cannot do things all on your own, but you need spiritual divine intervention, and it's called prayer. And the Bible says that the early church devoted themselves to that. Now, I know you're sitting here like, well, Pastor, I can pray without praying corporately. I can pray, you know, privately by myself. And yes, you can, and yes, you should. But when I look at this text, it shows me a corporate side of praying together. And this, you know, Jesus kind of debunks this idea of you only praying privately. When he raises Lazarus from the dead, before Lazarus gets raised from the dead, the Bible says he stood before the tomb and he prayed. And when he prayed, he intentionally didn't pray only to God, but prayed so that others would hear it. Here's what the Bible says in, in John chapter 11. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me. 
But I say this on account of these that are standing around, that they may hear and believe. Jesus prayed to his father, but he also prayed so others can hear it. That's corporate prayer. You ever heard somebody pray, you was depressed, and when they prayed, you got like some type of energy? And you need friends like that. You need friends that you call and you complain, they're like, shut up, let's pray. You need those type of friends that the first thing they want to do is pray. They don't want to join you in complaining. They don't want to make a pity party with you. They want to get to the throne of grace. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to the prayers. What should we pray for as a corporate body? We should pray for the community. Pray for your elected officials. Pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your non-believing friends. Pray for spiritual growth of you and the person you're praying next to. See, that's good prayer. When you're sitting in here on a fourth Wednesday night and you're praying, and you're not just praying for all of your needs, but you're looking at the person next to you like, Lord, whatever they're praying for, I need you to meet that need. See, that's corporate prayer right there. The Bible says that they devoted themselves to that, which is why, uh, take this note down, we'll roll out more details, but August 27th, which is a Monday, on Mondays, I typically, Monday mornings is my time of, of praying for, I mean, your faces, your needs, your, you know, what you write down on the prayer cards. I'm praying on Monday mornings. August 27, I'm inviting you to join me at 6 o'clock in the morning here in this room to pray. And I know you're like, I ain't getting up at 6 o'clock. But I, I'm, I'm challenging you. Like, press your way to a 6 a.m. prayer. We will pray a short prayer from 6 to 7 o'clock. That means you might have to get up early. That means you might have to figure out how you're going to get transportation from here to work, whatever the case may be. If you're able to make it, if you're able to sacrifice from 6 to 7 a.m. on August 27th, which is a Monday, I want to pray before we get into the fall, before we get into September. I want to spend time on it. I want this room filled with people audibly praying to the Lord. Why? Because the Bible says they devoted themselves to the prayers. And as a, a prayerless church is a church that is going down fast and quick. Prayerless churches that have dependency on their outreaches and dependency on programs. No, we've got dependency on God. If God don't blow on this thing, it won't work. Like, let's shut it down if we're going to be prayerless. Let's sell insurance or do something else. There's so much more. we can. Let's open up a restaurant, Jamaican spot. You know, they're trying to do it down. Let's open that up. If we're not going to be devoted to the prayers, what are we doing? The Bible says that the early church devoted themselves to prayer. I'm running out of time, so i got to move quicker here. Verse 43. It says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Note here the structure of the text. The text did not read. Let me read it a little backwards. The text does not read, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all came on every soul. I, th- I would think that that's how it would read, but it doesn't read like that. Why doesn't it read like that? The awe that they experienced was not because of the signs and wonders, because the signs and wonders came after they had awe. So what, did they, what were they in awe over? What proceeded before this was the preaching of Jesus. They had awe over Jesus Christ. Like no gimmicks. Like I don't got no gimmicks. Let me promise you one thing. I promise you that... I just don't have no gimmicks for you. I don't have no tricks. I don't have any circus. I don't have any candy. For the rest of my my pastoral ministry, all I got to present to you is Jesus Christ. And that and that alone should birth some type of, like, I'm in awe of the fact 
that Jesus Christ would come off of his throne where he was being worshipped to dwell amongst sinners. I'm in awe of the fact that he would go to a cross and take on my sin, past, present, and future sins that you ain't even commit yet. I'm in awe of the fact that he crushed my sin and defeated Satan. I'm in awe of the fact that he took his righteousness and gave it to you despite the fact that you're a sinner. I'm in awe of the fact that he will come back for me. I'm in awe of the fact that a sinner like me will dwell forever with a holy God. I'm in awe of the gospel. And that is what we should be. That is what should move our church. If you don't have that sense of awe, we are losing. We have to be focused on Jesus because that is the church wasn't in awe of this. Like no demons were cast out in Acts chapter 2. No evil spirits. Like there, there was no healing in Acts chapter 2. The only thing I see in Acts chapter 2 is Jesus being preached. And awe came upon the early church because of that. And so every week you come in here, I want you to hear the, the, a presentation of the gospel. Not just from me, from the songs from the worship leaders. You need to hear the gospel from the preaching in the pulpit. You need to hear the gospel when we do communion. And you need to walk out here saying, I got to live my life for this gospel, this Christ that died for me. The Bible says that all came upon every soul, not because of signs and wonders. That came after they had all over Jesus Christ. Now, I got to move quick. Look at the generosity that happens in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Do you see the, the generosity here? The awe that they had did not move, did, did not just stop at a bubbly feeling. It moved them to be generous. And so the way the Lord provided for the early church was through his people. The way the Lord provides for his church today is through his people. Like, God didn't drop a stack out of the bank to meet July's expenses. He's like, Gabe didn't send me a text. was like, yo, the Lord met every expense. And he just dropped it in. No, he does it by trickling through what you give to the church. Do you see the generosity? And I know you're like, see, this is why I don't go to church. Because the pastor, I knew he was going to ask for money. He's probably going, probably going right into his bank account. Let me promise you it ain't going into my bank account. We've got audited by the IRS Twice. Twice. So, and I never get nervous. I'm never, our, our numbers are correct. I never get nervous. So when you give, it's given to a secure place. The point I'm making is, like, let's dispel this idea that all pastors are trying to get rich off of you. I'm not trying to get rich off of you. I promise you I'm not. I'm not asking you for a $300 million jet. I'm just not doing it. I don't even want a jet. Gas is too expensive to fuel that thing. You can buy the jet. I can't afford the gas. So I'm just not. I'm, tomorrow I'm getting on a flight. I kid you not. I'm riding coach, and we got a layover. It was a cheap flight. <laughs> and I pay for it myself. So I, I'm, I'm saying that to say, you know, because a lot of times people don't give because of their past experience or what they see in the world of the church where pastors are asking for all this money, and then he's the only one getting rich off of it. I don't want to get rich off of the church. I promise you, if I wanted to get rich, I would have stayed in corporate America. I was doing well in court. By God's grace, I was moving up the corporate ladder. I would have stayed there. And so coming to church, I come to, I serve you. You guys don't serve me. So the point I'm trying to make is the generosity we see within the text has to move to you. You got to be generous. It's no way, like three services means more toilet paper, more lights, 
more electric, the more you need. You like this air conditioning? <laughs> I'm telling you, we could have turned it off today. That would have made this a little bit more real for you. Listen, the air stays on because of you. I'm serious. They stay, and, they, and when it gets cold outside, the heat will be on because of you. The point I'm making is we need generous givers as 3,000 souls are added to the church. And this isn't reckless. Like, don't think like, man, that's financially reckless. The Bible says they're selling their possessions. You know how I know they didn't sell everything? They didn't sell everything because verse 46 says that they broke bread in their homes. They kept a house. So they, they, didn't, they didn't sell everything in a reckless way, and they were sharing forks in some cultish way. No, they were being wise with what they did. But the Bible does show us that they took care of the community. They took care of the local church. And if you have a problem with giving, it's probably based on your experience, not based on Bible. And I'm not afraid to say, we need your resources. Like, and I'm not asking for all of it. I'm not even asking you, I'm not even saying you got to give this percentage. I'm not saying that to you. What I'm saying is when you get paid, do you think about the church? Do you think, is your thought process, let me put money in my account, my 401k, put it on my back, or let me think about the church as well? Because the Bible says here that they the all moved to generosity. Let's finish it here. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. The Lord did not wait for an altar call on Sunday morning every day. The Lord was adding to the church, which means the church was serious about evangelism. That's a mark of a healthy church. One that walks out of here, doesn't consume the gospel, and then just try to apply it their lives. But they want to, they're so impacted by it, they want to tell everybody else about Jesus. But what we do is, and I said this the other night in our fourth Wednesday night Bible study, we've made invites to church synonymous with evangelism. So instead of sharing the gospel, all I got to do is invite you to church. But inviting you to church doesn't save you. Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So when people come here, they don't need to hear, after you invited them, they don't need to hear the gospel for the first time coming from me. I should be affirming what you've already told them when y'all had coffee. I should be affirming what you've been modeling to them through your life. So the Bible says day by day. The Lord was adding to the church. How did he add to the church? He added to the church not because they said, hey, these 3,000 people just joined this thing called the church. Y'all should come and check it out. They're they breaking bread. It's, it's good food. Like, they didn't do that. They added to the church day by day because people were sharing the gospel. Some of you haven't shared the gospel all year long. Let's be honest. And I want you to feel convicted by it. Because when I read this text, can you imagine if they didn't, they, this 3,000 this is just 3,000 in Acts 2. You know it continues to spread. Let me put it this way. You're sitting in this room a believer in Jesus Christ because of the multiplication that you see in Acts chapter 2. It found its way to your sinful house. It found its way to your sinful heart. And now we get to stand before the Lord, which has this double imputation where on Jesus was your sin. He took, it was imputed to him. And on you was Jesus' righteousness was imputed to you. It's the craziest trade ever. 
the craziest trade ever. But yet God does it with joy. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What we desperately need in this church is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 to start to form. We need more. To, as we talk about going to three services, we need more people that are willing to invest their life into discipleship. Do you hear me? This cannot just be about numbers. It got to be about spiritual growth. That only happens when you take your spiritual growth seriously. Some of you have time. You have giftings. You have resources. You have capabilities of, of being able to walk with people. You need to take two or three people aside and work with them. And I'm not talking just Bible. You need to help them build a resume. Help them find a job. Help them with discipleship. Because discipleship is holistic. We need that in this church. We cannot go to three services maintaining the same way we've maintained that one service. We can't do it. We need to beef up how we engage people. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Thankful for my brothers and sisters in this room. Father, we realize that when it comes to church growth, it is all done by you. I love the way this text says it, that you added to the church. The apostles didn't add to the church. You added to the church. And even when I think about Jesus' words in Matthew 16, where he says, I will build my church. He gives us no credit for it. And I thank you, Lord, because what we would build is a mess. We build our own mini kingdoms, which may survive a season. But what we need is something that outlasts us. Father, I look forward to the day where this thing will be passed on to some young buck that doesn't know you right now, may not even be born right now. But you've ransomed their heart and gave them a calling and gave them a passion to lead your people. Father, would you help us as a church? We do not want to pack a room. We want to pack a room to send people out to impact their communities. Help us to be focused on Jesus. Help us not to be focused on gimmicks and focused on man-made stuff. We ain't trying to impress nobody in this room. Father, we want to impress you. We want you to be happy with us. You love us because of Christ, but we want you to look at us and genuinely say, well done. Because you ran this race well. Not perfect, but well. So, Father, we submit this time to you and believe, oh God, that you're going to help this church to not just grow up, not just grow financially and not just grow numerically, but you're going to help us to grow up spiritually. So in Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen.